On this week's episode of the TPM Podcast, we have James Lim, the COO at Performance Data over in Asia. James has had fantastic experience over the years, rising through the ranks and working across a variety of roles within the hardware maintenance space. James now heads up the company, running global operations, and has had one of the most fascinating stories around. His ambition, drive, and motivation is something to be admired by, and it's always a thrilling conversation and time to sit down with James. Here's James Lim on the TPM Podcast. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, my friend. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm uh, still having my holiday, as you can see. <laughs> Brilliant. Where are you? I am at home. <laughs> uh, but enjoy, enjoy the time, eh? Yeah, yeah. We are still celebrating our Chinese New Year. So it uh, has 15 days. So <laughs> a couple of days more to go. <laughs> So festivities, yeah. You'll you'll have to explain that to one to me then. How how do you celebrate it? Like, what do you do in fifteen days? Well, we most of the time we spend uh, visiting relatives. You know, just uh, giving them red packets to the children yeah. who are not married, and they will in return give to my kid as well. So actually, my kid, uh, you know, benefit from it more than anyone else <laughs> than you know than me and my wife, I guess. So, and then we have a lot of food, obviously, uh, you know, Chinese, they like to eat their Chinese traditional stuff. So, yeah, we, uh, you know, a lot of uh, exchanging in red packets and uh, food and just chit chat, catching up because some of our relatives, we don't see each other for, you know, once a year. I mean, we only see each other for once a year, at least once a year. Yeah. So are you, are you allowed to freely move around and visit everyone and anyone now? There's no restrictions anymore? No, no, there's restrictions. Uh, we, um, every family in a day, they're allowed to have two different family units of up to eight visitors. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. still, that's very flexible still. It's pretty flexible. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and meanwhile, over here in the UK, we're, we're in, a, in a national lockdown. We can't, yeah, work, I we can't see anyone. And, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. You know, the world's, uh, world's in a very strange place right now, right? It is. It is. We are, we are all in a very strange, strange times, I guess. So thanks for jumping on and doing this. So, I mean, let's get started because you, you are, okay. you know, you and I met, I think it was Las Vegas when we met uh, to an SIA yes. conference. And, you know, we, we like similar things from running mm. and, and keeping fit and, and maybe <laughs> yes. alcohol every now and again, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a must. <laughs> Tell, tell me about your background, where you came from and how you started, because you've got probably one of the more interesting careers and, and, and it's gone it's gone sort of sideways right over the years in yeah. different avenues. So give me a bit of a background on who you are and where you came from. Uh, okay, I'm uh, born in Singapore. Uh, I'm James Lim. I uh, currently work with uh, a third-party maintenance company called Performance Data. Uh, we're based out of Nevada and I'm based in Singapore. Most of my times, I uh, spend my work uh, in Asia, actually. Uh, it has been like that since 2007 when we first started in the TPM business. Uh, sociable person. 
I like to socialize and learn like yourself, you know, from people from different walks of life, um, you know, good ones and bad ones. Obviously, I picked the good ones up. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting to, to find out. I mean, when you see people from different worlds, you, you learn more about the cultures and you understand that things aren't like what we knew when we grew up uh, just in, in, in our country, our own country. So that's what I am. I, I, I like to travel as well and a sociable person. There's, um, there's a quote that I saw, um, which I'd like to repeat here, which is, there is much to talk about who gets what, but no one is getting <laughs> anything until someone takes the first step. Go yes. above and beyond to do what's needed to get the takings. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So that's my. <laughs> you know, our our company motto is whatever it takes, and what you've got right there embodies that exactly. So where did that come from? Well, um, b- because when I was uh, first approached. To start, um, you know, I was asked by a company in Europe to help them with their Asian uh, clientele or Asian installation base for their clients in the US and Europe. Um, we had a lot of locations where we need to cover. And uh, it was very tough because, you know, we don't have a lot to, to, to go with, actually, because we're just starting out, uh, you know, in 2007, where we... Uh, had like a list of equipments that we need to help uh, maintain all over Asia. So I, when I, when I, when someone approached to me and they said, uh, you know, could you do this? And I was thinking to myself, I thought to myself for a long time because um, at that time I was in my uh, eighth year running my business. I, I left my first job and I started my company in 1999 and we were doing system integration and, and also a software house. Um, it was really tough to fight with tens and thousands of uh, you know companies for local businesses. But this opportunity came to me, and I was thinking to myself, yeah, it's it's tough. But if I don't do it, somebody else will. So I told myself exactly that. You know, I don't ask for anything yet until I get there. I show them that I will do it first without asking for anything. Once I prove myself. And that's when I start to ask for more things. And that's exactly what happened to me. I kind of, uh, within that organization that came to me, I kind of climbed the, 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 my career path, climbed that way. A lot of things were given first before I, I took back some. Well, that's so. interesting because, you know, a lot of that boils down to ultimately you've got to put the effort in, right? And I think you see a lot of people, yes. a lot of people nowadays, especially it's, they want to take, 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 take yeah. before they give, before they spend yeah. time. Yes. You, you yeah. know, it, it was interesting when I was talking to Steve Studley, who, who you and I both know, and he was talking about when he got into the TPM business with Trident. And he started out ultimately as a field engineer, right? The, 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 yeah. the lowest ranks in the business. And now over the yes. years, he climbed to become CEO of the company. And yes. you have an awful lot of people today, and I think social media is largely to blame, where yeah. at 22 years old, you're supposed to have a yacht, a supercar, and a mansion, right? Like, that's the expectation. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. And I, I, find it, I find it offensive that people don't believe in putting in the work. And you have yeah. to put in the work, right? You have to, yes. Absolutely have to. So, you, so mentioned, you mentioned you'd left your first job. What was that first job? I was an uh, MIS manager for a multinational company. <laughs> uh, I, I stayed there for a year and a half. Um, you know, I, I'm also someone who likes to build something. So it started with Legos when I was a kid. 
as I grow older, I thought to myself, I want to build my life and my own life so that if I, in order to do that, I need to create my own opportunity, which is obviously running my own business and doing what I like to do most. And then I picked up IT and I like IT and I just started a company and it just grew from there. It was very tough. Yes, it was very tough. It wasn't easy. Uh, ups and downs, so many com- competitions until this opportunity for TPM in Asia came to me. It was a breath of fresh air because there's a huge void in Asia where TPM is concerned. And we were the first few during then. Why, why, is that, why is that a thing, do you think? Why do you think that TPM was so ultimately unknown in Asia or difficult to achieve? Um, first thing first, the Asian, I mean, I'm speaking for Singaporean, for example, right, from a Singaporean standpoint, is that everything has to be secured. Like you, you have to work with the, the manufacturer. Uh, you have to work with someone who's authorized. Uh, yeah, you might have to pay more, but that's okay. So that, that was the situation then. When we first started, um, we, we visited hotels. Hotel industry was the first, because our, one of our sales guy, he was from that hospitality industry and he knows a lot of uh, people that can lead us to the IT managers. So when we started talking to them about TPM, they were like, what is this? You know, I've never heard of this before. TPM, uh, how good are your services? And, and so on and so forth. So so we explained to them that we are an alternative uh, solution for your after warranty maintenance, if you want. And then you can, you know, save a lot of money from there. It's very economical. I mean, uh, it's, it helps you with your bottom line. Your CFO will be happy with that. And, you know, um, the service standard remains. And I think we're more flexible than the manufacturers in many ways. And that they got very interested and that was like the first first hotel they signed up with us. And then they started sharing, you know, they talk among, amongst each other. So we got about 80% of Singapore hotels that, wow. that two years. Yes. And that's how it, it went up. Yeah. So it, it was very much introducing and educating the market on something that in reality in, in Europe and the US, you know, was still, TPM wasn't trusted for a very long time, right? You know, the yeah. OEM had great, great grip on the market, but yeah, Singapore was ultimately a few years behind in, in terms of yeah. understanding that. So, yeah. you know, you had your time at business automation technology. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, you've got to explain the whole Park Place situation to me and, and how that happened. So <laughs> give, give yeah. me the Park Place performance data story. Sure, sure, sure. So, so when we first started the, the business, it was business automation. It was business automation in 1999. And then it was doing a lot of SI business. As you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's very com- competitive. And we decided to reinvent ourselves because we found that the TPM market has a huge void. And that's an opportunity for us to get in there, do it now, be the best. So that's what we did. Um, I, 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 I started serving a lot of uh, American companies. The, the, the principals are mostly from America and some from, uh, from Europe. And... Uh, so we thought that, okay, if we have this company doing SI and then TPM, it's a lot of attention being divided. So I decided, you know, we decided to look at the numbers and we saw the growth in TPM business. It was phenomenal. So we said, okay, let's, let's drop that uh, SI business because we finished our projects. We finished, finished all the contracts. 
we have some remaining remnants of some contracts, smaller ones, and we move them into uh, a company uh, called Solid Systems, APAC. So then we started expanding that company. We started building all that uh, uh, local business with uh, Solid Systems. And uh, it went very well until 2015. We decided to split up with the partner because of some differences. So they went their way and we went our way. And uh, I, I took my company and I sold half of my company to a company called Performance Data. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Performance Data uh, is actually find funding our growth in Asia at that time. Uh, it was 2016. And while we were growing uh, pretty well, uh, we had uh, Park Place came to us. Okay. But the, the, the reason why Park Place came to us was because prior to that, um, we were doing quite a fair bit of work for them uh, in Asia. And we also have a lot of companies in the in, uh, principals in the US that use our services. And at some point, I was being asked by a client to help with my uh, headquarter in UK to improve their service. Uh-huh. So, so I, I was, my, my, my motto, right, is that just get out there and do it and make customer happy and make them sticky, right? They want you all the time. They keep on coming back to you. And, and that happened. And it did, I, that did well for me. That motto did well for me. It worked well. And I got recognized by a lot of uh, CEOs of principal companies. And then they, they told my, my HQ to help them to establish their services in, in, in Europe. You know, the, 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 the standards of service that they, they were delivering, they wanted to be improved, just like how Asia delivered the services. So through that exposure, uh, I get to meet a lot of bosses. I call them bosses. They are the owners of companies. And uh, we chat quite a fair bit and they learned that I was running the show in Asia, uh, doing a bit of things in Europe for the European companies. And I think that's kind of circled back because someone mentioned to the, uh, um, I think he was the uh, COO then, Chris. Yeah. to you know get get in touch with me so he, he called me and then i thought it was a good opportunity because you know performance data we were growing pretty good but we could do good with another uh you know uh, larger establishment with a private equity company behind them to be behind us so i introduced them to uh to my my partner ceo david and then Somehow the deal got uh, uh, a bit changed. I mean, they got it was supposed to be a, an acquisition, but then it became a part acquisition. So they bought some assets. So they did a carve out ultimately, right? Yeah, they carved out something. Yeah. Yes, and I and I was to be uh, the AVP in Asia. I was supposed to also, uh, you know, take over as VP in Asia eventually. Um, but something changed. They have their direction changed, and uh, David also got interested in pulling me back because he also has some new opportunities, which is happening now. Yeah. So uh, he managed to have uh, negotiations with uh, Park Place and then we kind of uh, complete the deal with me uh, being released back into performance data. That's a hell of a journey, right? Like that, that's, it was uh, a hell of a journey, but I learned a lot of things from, from this journey, actually. I learned about merger and acquisition, integration, so besides knowing the business, I also get exposed. I, I'm, I was also exposed into TPM merger and acquisition. It's, it's so interesting. 
It is. And, you know, it's something that's obviously been very rife over the last, what, two to three years. I mean, if you look at yes. uh, just Park Place alone, I forget the numbers. Yeah. It's, like, it's something like 14 <laughs> companies in two or three years. Yes. Right? Indeed. Uh, Indeed. You know, how do you think that affects the market? Because there's there have been a lot of TPM businesses around. <clears throat> a yeah. lot of them have been, a lot of them have been brokers and ticket handlers and, you know, Rolodex companies, as I think Mick Barry referred to them as. Um, yeah. But you know, with all this M and A activity, do you think the do you think the market is still still buoyant for the rest of us? I believe it will be buoyant for all of us still, um, because you see, at the moment, um, yeah. But we, we there's a lot of work to be done because when when Park Place and Curvature were separate, they could be the first and the second biggest, and then we have probably Service Express, according to Gartner. Um, now, now that the first two bigger ones have merged, there's a huge gap between the biggest and the second one and the, the rest of us, right? So yes, the, it will probably be pretty challenging for us because the, vol, the, the TPM is a game of volume. If you have huge volume, you can really play with the prices. You can shift things around. You could, you could have a loss leader you know, in some countries where you make, while you make a lot more in some countries. But smaller companies like ours is going to be challenging to do that. So there will be challenge there, but there's also opportunity um, to do this because they may get too much things to do and they may want to outsource to more people like us. Correct. And, you know, even, yeah. though, they're, even though they're the biggest in the market, there's still a partner network, right? There's still an outsourcing yes. element there. And, and you always have to have that, right? You, you can yes. not outsource somewhere because... You know, they're not going to have techs in certain locations, especially Asia Pack, where, where it is difficult no. to reach all locations. Yes. So large, right? Yeah. Yep. But one of the interesting things that you talked to, you said earlier, was about building Legos and building your life, right? Um, yeah. you, you, you and I have a passion for running. You know, I enjoy mm -hmm. my triathlons. Um, you know, I got Dave Coleman, who will be having a chat with as well about this soon. Um, so, you know, what, what do you do? What, what is your daily routine? You, you have some habits. I mean, I see your photos all the time of, of running and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. we, we, uh, okay. So what we do, we have almost every morning, uh, we have our runs, uh, most, mostly cycling for me and I do swim as well. Um, so we, we, I think I cycle at least twice a week and I could easily cover, uh, 200 to 300 kilometers a week, depending on the weekend. Sometimes during the weekend, we do 200 in one ride, sometimes 100 in a ride. Uh, I run. I used to run a lot more. I, I, have, I have done the uh, marathon as well. Um, but I kind of more, I'm focused more on my cycling now because I'm building up my cycling strength. <laughs> um, we swim and we uh, do some weights exercise at home because you can't go to the gym these days uh, safely. And then uh, we also do some uh, cardio when we can. So that's what we do. Do you do, you, uh, do, you do any indoor cycling? I have, a, um, I have a bike set up on a turbo trainer connected up to Zwift on the, on the TV. Have you done Zwift? Yeah, yet? yeah, yeah. No, I used to do that in the gym. I used to do the spins. Yeah. Yeah, but that's different from the Zwift. Obviously, the Zwift is better. But I have not tried that, though my friends did encourage me to. Um, but I, I've always preferred to ride outside because, you know, I, I like to ride in the evenings or early in the mornings because it's, it's, it's the feeling of uh, freedom 
you know, when you ride outside, it's like freedom and you, you ride as fast or as slow as you want. It's, it's very therapeutic to me. You find so it I prefer a outdoor. Way, a good way to clear the head. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you get to think a lot about a lot of things at work as well when you're riding. So. Well, that, that leads me on to, you know, just general motivation. What is it that motivates you? Because, you know, like you said, you are, you are a very social person. Everyone in the industry mm-hmm. knows who you are. And, you know, for the most part, everyone loves you, right? So what, <laughs> <laughs> what is it that motivates you day to day? Because I know you, I know you're a family man as well. Yes. Uh, well, we, I want to, well, you know, I've, I've always wanted to build a company that is uh, sizable. And I think we're getting there because we're merging with a couple of companies in Asia um, with our partners. Because we, as, as you mentioned, you know, the, country, the Asia is huge. The world is huge and Asia is huge as well. And uh, we need to have good partners to work with to be able to deliver those services. Um, so, so for me, because these days a lot of clientele are asking if we can have direct um, people. I mean, that's another whole new topic to talk about also, you know, about being direct and indirect and why people are worried about that. But uh, we have that as well. But we have uh, accredited partners where we train them and we make sure they are inducted before they get, and they have to pass a test before they can attend to our customers' uh, tickets. So we are actually merging with these companies now. Um, that makes it more uh, concrete for our client, I think, because they, they always want us to have direct. So we were trying to get there for them. And that's what we're doing right now. We're consolidating a few companies together in Asia to make a bigger company. And that drives, that motivates me every day that we're getting that way. Uh, we're going, going in the right direction. And it, it also motivates me to do more because um, I think the mindset that we have instilled in the team where we want to do our best for our client and uh, or above and beyond so that they become more sticky with us um, is working well for everyone. So I, I, I'm motivated in the sense whereby whatever we, put, we have put in place for the past few years is working well for us. And we now want to have continuous uh, improvements and being able to share that plan with my, my customer actually makes me very motivated and they're, when they're happy, especially when they're happy. Well, ultimately, it generates trust in what you're doing, right? And you, you, mentioned, yes. you mentioned a key point there, and I kind of um, you know, wanted, to, wanted to talk about that as well, where you talk about being direct versus indirect, and that's both yeah. to the customer and to the engineering, right? So mm-hmm. you know, there are an awful lot of companies out there who are just the, how, how do we call them, the, the engineer recruiting companies, right? Where, yeah. where they have huge Excel lists of 10,000 engineers, but there's no vetting yeah. process. There's no, no. There's nothing understanding there. So, you know, what, yeah. what does it take to be successful in a, in a field engineering business? How, you, how do you become successful in that area? Okay. In fact, before this, before uh, partnering became a taboo in this industry, we already did what we, we are doing today because we vet our partners. We want to make sure that they know exactly what they have to do and exactly what they can't do before they're being dispatched to our customers' sites. So we have, like, we have had orientation done since 2007 when we first started in Asia. We oriented all the, all the uh, field engineers 
we gather all the requirements from our customers, you know, what they want us to, how they want us to represent them, what we shouldn't do. And we put them, we compress them into one file and then we share and make sure that everybody, you know, is aware of what they're not supposed to. And then we, we, we make sure that they sign a document that, okay, I've read it, I understood, and then his name. So then he will be listed uh, in the list of uh, field engineers who is in this country, for example. So the other thing that when I, when customers ask me for, for if I have engineers in certain country, I wouldn't just say, yes, I do. I said, I do. Do you want the names? So I have the names of these people and the skill sets, number of years they have been working and it, they have been inducted. Besides being inducted, they also get their, you know, these days they, they get their annual refresher. Mm-hmm. Every year we will get people to go online to read documents and then they have to fill in the form to respond to those questions that's based on the, on, on the uh, syllables. And then if they pass that, the test, then they will be, you know, they will, be, they will continue to use them. Otherwise they have to keep on going back and until they, 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 they get it right. So we're still doing that. In fact, also for our agents, our call center, we're also doing the same thing so that, um, you know, they get refreshed, you know, human beings, when you get comfortable, sometimes, you know, things just get moved somewhere and you're not even aware of that. So, so that will, will remind them, hey, you know, this is, needs to be done. I, I did something wrong the other day. Luckily, nothing happened, you know. So it's, it, it takes that kind of commitment um, to, able, to be able to deliver good services. And also the other thing is that partnering, uh, you don't want a partner, you don't want the end service provider to have a few layers in between you because then you, have, you lose control of those people. So we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that. So we, and the problem with the situation with uh, the, the word partnering being a taboo is because like as you mentioned, right, you mentioned earlier that a lot of companies here because they have you know, someone in Singapore, hey, I'm in Singapore, <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing, right? So yeah. now when that happens, right, they say, first they say, I'm in Singapore, then they say, I'm in Hong Kong, I'm in Philippines, and then people start using them, right? People are like, oh, we're desperate, we need to have someone there. So they use them and they themselves didn't vet these people. It was too loose mm-hmm. and problems started. So that partnering word actually is innocent. It's really innocent, but it's how people handle it. How people, people did not align expectation when they said, I have someone there. They didn't, they didn't ask, you have someone there? Were they trained? How long have they been doing this for you? Do you know them? It, that was never asked. They simply used them and then they failed. And now people like us, myself and yourself, who really do our job, you know, we check everything before we even, um, before we even allow that engineer to go on site. We are quite misunderstood mm. because people tend to put stereotype the word partnering. We don't partner. We do. We we are a business process outsourcing member for our client. It's interesting the way you put that because you're exactly right. You know, we we don't have an Excel spreadsheet with all these names. We don't do that. You know, we do the vetting like you, like you do, right? And I think one of the really one of the really interesting things is that we have a, a HR team who is in charge of when we do pick up engineers that we need for freelance jobs. Those engineers are treated like employees. They are onboarded, they are vetted, yes. they are questioned, they are trained, right? Yes. 
and 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 you're right that's that's where partnering has become taboo because you know everybody is global now right (laughs) what i say is everyone is global with with an asterisk right because you know beware (laughs) yeah you know John, John, that's in a little office down down the street, can say he's global because he knows you, or he knows someone else, or he knows someone else. And all of a sudden, yeah. yes, I have presence in Hong Kong, but you know how many layers are there? And and it's the layers yeah. that cause the problem. There's nothing wrong with subcontracting yeah. and outsourcing, but when yeah. there are five layers between you and your engineer, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a story. We had um, a long time ago now. We, we have a customer who um, needed an engineer in a, very, in a very remote location and so contacted us. We, we didn't have anyone on staff, so we contacted one of our partners, um, mm-hmm. who, who to this day we still work with, and they're, and they're a great partner. They didn't have anyone on staff, so they had to go find an engineer. And we found one. Okay, he was vetted. He knew the job. He went and did the job. What we didn't quite find out was that he actually worked as a full-time employee for our principal client. Oh, so gosh. Our principal client asked <laughs> us to fix a, or to service a ticket. Three layers down, an engineer who worked for our client goes and fixes the ticket, bills the partner, the partner bills us, we build a client, and the client goes, that's our own engineer that you sent out to go fix that job. <laughs> But it happens in a world of layers, right? It, it, yeah, it and and that's probably the that's probably the most bizarre one we've seen. Um, yeah, but that's that's in a world of layers, right? It really is. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I mean, as far the as other, sorry, go on. I want to say the other thing that we also do uh, is that we communicate with the owners of the company directly. Mm. So. When that happens, right, if there's any escalation, it gets to the top level, things get done. Sometimes we even have uh, the owners who, where, where they get a call from me, right, I get escalated on, on the highest level. I'll call the owner directly and that moves everything. So that's why I don't feel my client, uh, you know, I, I hardly feel my client unless there's some really, really bad situations. But when an escalation comes to me, it goes straight to the owner. And that's why we can respond to our clients, you know, very quickly because it's top down. Correct. So that's the other thing that we 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 ensure that we have control over as well. And I think the larger the, the larger the company, the larger the TPM, it's more difficult to have that, you know, owner to owner discussion as well, right? It's very, yeah. very difficult to do so. So, yeah. you know, as far as performance data is concerned. The goals are what to be the biggest, the best in in Asia Pacific, and and to continue to grow and absorb other entities. Yeah, uh, we aspire to be uh, for our clients' uh, peace of peace of mind. We aspire to um, merge as many partners as possible in Asia to be one of the uh, sort most sought after uh, direct, if you may, uh, TPM company for Asia. Yes. What's the uh, what's the headcount now? Like, how big have you guys gotten? Uh, about a thousand something. About a thousand two. <laughs> Most mostly in India. <laughs> a lot of Indians. Indians. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, that in itself puts you as one of the biggest in the world, right? As, yeah, as, 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 as a PPM in Asia. Concerned, as far yes. as headcount concerned, I mean, and and that, you know, you guys are are known, but you're not you're not plastered all over the media like like some of the other guys no. are. 
So we're not, we're not. That's the plan. You, how do you promote your business then? Uh, we we go by uh, you know we go you know I go to Las Vegas every year. I mean we missed last year. I was there though. I was chased away. <laughs> I was ushered away actually, not chased away. Uh, you know we we meet all the owners of companies. We introduce ourselves, um, tell them what we do, and obviously it's always it's always boils down to direct employment. Um, but we still we were still able to get some businesses from these people because we they have their business uh, where they have a lot of locations in Asia and those locations where we where they know that we have done before for them they were comfortable so they will still give us those businesses um, we do not advertise outside we do not go direct to uh, uh, end users we work through our partners like Dimension Data um, uh, T Systems. Um, ATOS, if you will, mm. those kind of people, and obviously our American counterparts in uh, SIA, those are our clients. Actually, we don't really go direct. Only locally, yes, we go direct. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you guys are channel ultimately channel focused, like we are. Uh, We're very channel focused. Yeah. 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 See, whereas we we do an awful lot of marketing activity because we market to the channel. You know, you yeah. guys don't really have any marketing activity per se. There's no social media. There's no uh, PR yeah. pieces. You know, there's very little about you guys. Is that intentional? Uh, we try to do as little as possible at the moment because we would like to give our customer peace of mind that we're here for them, not not to, to be against them. Um, but as you rightfully pointed out, you, you also have your marketing activities for your principles, uh, your potential principles, uh, that may come later, but more of the Asian piece because I believe there are a lot of companies, huge SIs in Asia where we have not tapped uh, into yet because these people, like for example, the Dimension Data of Philippines, Dimension Data of T-Systems of Malaysia, these are clients who have huge local clients also or global clients. Mm-hmm. Those are the clients that we will be marketing to after uh, probably in Q2 or Q3 where we complete our merger because now we're all busy doing all the merging, auditing and everything that's going on now. But Q2 and Q3, the PR team uh, and the marketing team will come together and we will plan on how we can reach out to these people. Um, we do have good... Uh, when we, when, before we sold our business to Park Place, right, we had a huge operations in Malaysia. So we got a lot of business uh, uh, with Dimension Data. With, uh, we've already obviously sold to uh, Park Place. Um, we've got huge telcos, banks, uh, the airports as well. They were doing, they were having, the, the, we were doing their hardware maintenance for all the after, uh, you know, after warranty, when the warranty expires with the manufacturer, they come to us. Um, it became like an automatic thing. Like every every year, they have something that get got off uh, warranty. It comes to us. Um, it doesn't go to the manufacturers. <laughs> we we were that strong locally then in Malaysia and before we, we sold it to companies. <clears throat> and, and so, do you now compete against the company that you sold? No, we 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 haven't. Sold? We we can uh, because we already the con- the terms and condition has already conditions has already expired. Um, that's going to be in the pipeline. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's about business. It's nothing, nothing against them or anyone. It's about business. Anybody has to do that. You it's have to survive. At the end of the day. <laughs> it's just yeah. Business. yeah. Yes, it is. It is. 
what about coming up through the ranks, you know, and coming up through these various companies? You've obviously, you know, traveled the world and everything else. I mean, have you, mm. have you come across any really strange or uh, interesting experiences? Yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, well, I wouldn't say strange, but interesting because um, it's interesting how a lot of people um, who are not well-traveled, they try to run their business based on their knowledge locally. And that kind of, it's interesting because it puts me in a very good light that, hey, this is not right. I can help you, you know? And then you, you educate them and then they start to say, hey, this guy is good. Let's work with him. So I've come across a lot of uh, business uh, owners who wanted to find their way into Asia and they try to run the business the way they did, you know, back home, mm-hmm. not knowing the, 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 how Asia really works. And obviously, I, I had that opportunity to experience all those countries before I get to meet these people in, in, in Western countries. Um, it was really interesting myself uh, for myself when I learned about cultures. And it's about putting them together as a package, as an Asia package. Like I'm putting a knowledge platform for this clientele to tap into and providing them the services, the advisory services, um, and then getting them to be more uh, sticky with us because we do our job well, we know what we need to do for them, how they can succeed with us. So what is interesting for me is knowing that these people do not really know the cultures of Asia and that is a, a huge opportunity for me. So I, I jump into that, I leverage into that and make, made a lot of friends. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. that's it. <clears throat> You know, culture matters and culture matters an awful lot. Yeah. And whether, whether you're looking at just European country to European country, that's something, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You can't expect someone in France or in Spain to work the same hours, the same way mm-hmm. as you would oh, in the UK, no. right? <laughs> yeah. We, we all know Absolutely. that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas in, in Asia Pac, you know, you've mm-hmm. got so many countries with mm-hmm. so many regions within each one in each yes. one of those has different cultures, different work different. mentality. Yes. How, how do you then build a team that's over a thousand people across these yeah. various countries? And how do you how do you keep that moving? I mean, you're the COO. How do you keep that moving? Yeah. Well, I when I was the CEO for the previous uh, European company um, that I got I got inducted into the management team. Um, it was 2007, 2008. I realized that there was this um, disconnect, mm. disconnect between the HQ and Asia. Asia knows a lot of things about Asia. Asia doesn't know a lot of things about Europe, right? And Europe doesn't know anything about Asia. So we had this disconnect and everybody's going different directions, going all over. So I, I, I was inducted into the management team and I introduced chapters. Okay. So I put chapters into the, into the company. I said, we'll have the logistic chapters. We have the marketing chapters, internal, external marketing. And then we have the sales chapter, the operations chapter being the biggest team. And that worked very well because hmm. all the heads, all the leads and the heads of those regions and countries, they have this monthly meeting, meetings where they will share problems they will, uh, like, you know, in Europe, they will say, my customer is saying, why can't we do this? 
then the Asian guys will say, okay, because of this, mm-hmm. then that gives the, that empowers the European guys to go back to the customer and say that because this is the local, it's a local problem. You know, you can't do it this way like we did it in, in Europe. So this has to be done this way. So that kind of aligns all the different departments for us. So I'm doing the same thing right now as well. So what, what do uh, typical meeting structures look like then? Are you, are you filled meetings Monday to Friday nonstop? Do you have a set cadence? Like what's the secret? I used, I, I used, I used to have it uh, every day almost, but now I have someone to help me manage that because I have to deal with the merger and acquisition and the uh, integration. So I'm spending a lot of time with the merger and acquisition at the moment, but my uh, operations director, he does all that alignments now and he meets a lot of people. He talks to people every day. Um, it's about growing a company, right? I mean, you want to grow a company, you can do it well yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you grow a company, you have other people, to, other factors as well, other people, different mindsets, different paradigms, different experience, life experiences. Now the education part is important. So before you can grow a company, you have, to, you have to make sure that the next person is running the business knows exactly what you know. And then that's how you can grow. So it's the same thing that's happened to me. He's now taken over what I'm doing and is now trying to get the other leads to understand everything so that we can always be singing the same song, moving the same direction. And this is like a continuous thing because things changes um, every year, every, every day, every month, things changes. So a lot of communications that's going on. And this guy that I have now, he's, he's doing it every day, almost every day. That, that was what I was doing before. Yeah, but yes, every, every day. So it's, it's what you need to do. It's a lot of time. Yeah. So, so how do you develop those good leaders then? Because obviously that's remote. Uh, is this operations director in Singapore also or...? Yes, yeah, he, uh, yeah. He has to be because I have to see him almost every day as well. <laughs> yeah, but when we first started, right, it, it's a lot of uh, talking, a lot of transferring of uh, knowledge to this guy until he gets it, and then now he's transferring to the others so that he, the message gets delivered across. Uh, now he's autonomous because he he knows exactly what needs to be done, and he's doing all that uh, education and to grow to continuously grow a company or to groom someone that someone should be able to take over your job so that you can move on and do something different or something bigger so those kind of person where we we think who can we will spend more time with that person get him more educated uh you know teach him more on the uh, thought processes concepts of things so that he grasps uh, what we're trying to achieve then that's when we'll try to let him shadow and uh, the, the the his his superior, mm-hmm. and then once he's ready, we will let him do it, and we'll, we'll monitor him as well. So that's how we continuously um, grow and move on. Yeah, we always yeah. yeah we always tell our our guys you know they always say that uh, you know I've I've gotten uh, good recommendations from my manager last month. Can you promote me? So it's, it's a fair question, right? Uh, yeah. So we said, so we always tell them that, okay, you can, you know, but uh, before you can move, someone's got to take over you. It is. And, and you know, one of the yeah. things that, one of the things that I focus on quite heavily and, and I speak to every single person in the organization still um, is I, I say that, you know, my job is up for grabs. 
You know, yes. I'm the CEO. I'm the CEO of the company. I don't want yeah. to be the CEO of the company forever, right? Yeah, absolutely so, not. Yes. And, and what do you need to get there, right? So we we invest heavily in performance management. We have systems that you know can track and develop and show you where you need to be and what you need to achieve in order to move the next rung up the ladder. Because everybody wants to get promoted, if not for seniority, at least for financial gain, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but what I wanted to ask you about was how you handle things like adversity and hard times, because you've just talked there about knowledge transfer and passing those on to leaders and managers and, and how wonderful that works and, and simple. Mm-hmm. But what yeah. about when times are hard? What about adversity? What about tough times? How do you handle that? Uh, as in like now, for example? Like, yeah, I mean, now's, now's a key one, yeah. Uh, okay, I, 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 now, now it's very hard to predict because it depends on the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I've realized from when when there were when some countries were open, um, you know, semi-open for business, quasi-open for business, uh, we get a lot of influx of tickets that were actually shelved because nobody was able to go out, right? So we get, you know, during the Lehman Brothers, it was different because we get more business. It's like it's all coming, you know. We TPM gets a lot of business because people start outsourcing for you know, looking for better pricing, better cost savings uh, uh, solutions. But this COVID is slightly different. I mean, it's the same thing where we get a lot of outsourcing um, coming on board as well. But we also have, we also have a bit of um, strange patterns in, in the, uh, the volume of uh, like ad hoc tickets. It, when, when some countries open, that's where we get a lot of tickets from the country. And we realized that those things were actually backlogged from times when they, they got locked down. So yeah, we, we didn't have really a tough time um, since beginning until now. We, did, we never had a real tough time to get business. So yeah, I think we, we've been fortunate and, and you know, yeah, not, exactly. not to use that global term again, right? But I think TPM's generally been quite fortunate because it's, it's remained a need especially yes. as, as people have moved to the cloud and digital transformation has sped up so much over the last year, you yeah. know, and I think, you know, Velez, for example, we, uh, we, ha- we have some business in Asia Pacific and I know that Q1 of 2020, when that sort of business shut down and, and, you know, Asia mm-hmm. kind of shut down in the first quarter of 2020, you know, we were, okay, well, bulk of our work is in Europe. So that's great. Yeah. And then as Europe went into the lockdowns, Asia sort of came <laughs> out, right? So yeah. we, yes, were yes. Still, we were still delivering around the world no matter what, Yeah, yeah. you know, at various volumes. But I think you're right there. We're seeing now a backlog of tickets coming through. Yes. Which is really, really interesting. Right? Interesting, so, yeah, yeah. You know. And uh, we, we were fortunate that we also had uh, ad hoc uh, businesses in, in, uh, in some parts of Europe. We do. And we had like, when Asia was down, Europe was up, and then you know it's just come back and forth. Uh, but you know, but the services where we have twenty-four hours standby for these people, it still continues. So we don't have any kind of like real void. Yeah, maybe the void in where tickets are not coming in, but it may not come in in January. You might be doing like twenty percent of your business in T, uh, in TNM or ad hocs or IMAX if you if if you want to call it. Uh, in January, but in February, you might be getting 120% because the backlogs from last month came in. So if you look at the numbers by, by annual, you're still doing probably better than last year. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, 2020 was net net uh, a bad year for everyone, regardless, right? A lot of us yes. saw great revenues in 2020, yeah. or certainly yeah. peaks of revenues where yes. historically wouldn't we wouldn't see them in those times. Yeah, um, And I think if you look at Q2, Q3, generally for most TPMs was very strong. Q4, you know, generally slows yeah. down anyway. And I think we're starting to see that rebound again, you know, as we record yeah. in February 21, right? Yeah. So it's interesting because Mick Barry made a comment, um, which was if a lot of data centers haven't had a, a tech on site for the last year because mm-hmm. of COVID, is there still going to be a need going forward for techs on site uh, from a third party perspective? Yes. It's never going to go away. No, it will never <laughs> go away. It would always come back to us. So it's it's we we, we had a good 2020 as well, actually. But I, I, it wasn't a surprise for me because the Lehman Brothers and the last uh, recession before the Lehman Brothers, we were picking up. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, there's always there's always money to be made and there's business to be had and you know going yeah. back to your, going back to your quote right you, you've got to go out yeah. there and make it uh, ultimately yes. otherwise yeah. somebody else will yes yeah. somebody else will yeah so you, you're not an old guy right but if, yeah <laughs> I'm, God, I'm God, how old are you mid, come on I'm 51 midlife <laughs> yeah, so you know still still a young whippersnapper. Right. Yes. So if, <laughs> if you could go back to the 25 year old James, you know, and say, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen in the future. You know, what, 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 what would you advise him on? What would you tell him to uh, watch out for, be careful of or do differently? Apart from giving him the lottery numbers, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I would say to myself uh, when I first started, I mean, to myself who had just started the business now, if I were to know him is to be careful where you put a trust in mm. that's very important because it could break you um you know i had some of this experience uh but you know i i guess i was uh, resilient because i had good customers who are supportive uh that you know kind of bolster everything that happened to me but uh yes you know careful with where you put your trust in and um i guess that's that's key for me because I'm I'm happy with my life actually. No, that that's uh, that's obvious. I mean, so yeah. you know, any particular low points or or mistakes that you would have avoided, or does that come back yeah. to the trust issue again? The trust issue, yeah, because uh, you know sometimes a friend may not be a friend, <laughs> may not be a real friend. So it may appear to be a friend, but just have to be careful with those people. And the world is uh, full of strange people, so just. Be really careful, especially when you're doing business. Um, you know, and of, of course, if you have any kind of ideas, make sure that you're protected by the law before you share that idea. Because I, I did misplace some trust in that as well when I was much younger. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I like, to, I like to build things, right? So I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> and I think that's a key thing in business that a lot of people, you know, they don't talk about is that there is a lot of, shake your hand with one hand and then stab you with the other, right? Yeah, and, yes. And there's a lot of that. And I think things like movies glorify, uh, you know, yeah. backstabbing and treachery and all these things. But the reality of it is yeah. there is a lot of that that happens in business. And it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. It's not everyone, but there are people who believe that stepping yeah. on your head to get, a, to get ahead in life is, is the way to do things. And yeah, I think that, 
the key there is people never forget and yeah. people remember, um, you know, and I think if you, yeah. if you do that to one person, the chances are you do it to a lot of people. Um, yeah. But it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to spot bad actors, right? It's hard to spot bad actors, but if you just need, well, you have to be honest, you know, with whatever you're doing and whoever you're doing with, I think, because everything falls back on you uh, because you know, when you do bad things, bad things happens to you. And if you got hurt somehow, mm. but because you're a nice person, right? So you got supporters. Yeah. So it's always like never burn a bridge. You know, even sometimes even with enemies, I don't burn bridges. I might try to avoid them, but I, I'm still talking to them. Friends, shake hands when we see each other. Um, but with people, uh, with customers, with partners, we always have to be truthful with them because... At some point in your, you know, in your life when you are at the lowest point, this could be the people who can be the, the people who can help you back on your feet. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So despite yeah. being but despite being nice to everyone, have you ever had to fire a customer? Has that been something that's uh, been prevalent? Have you had to terminate customers for being bad actors themselves? Customers. Um, well, I have some customers who are being bad actors. Yeah, they they. They want to poach my, my, my stuff. <laughs> but because of the relationship I have with my partners, we're so close, um, they, they would tell me. Mm. And yeah, I, I have come across some of those. Um, I shall not, you know, condemn them because, you know, sometimes things like that happen and that person might not be an owner of the company. So I don't blame the owner of the company. I blame the person who does that. Correct, correct. Yeah. I think we see we see that in a lot of the big system integrators, right? They try and just yeah. take rather than ask sometimes. Yeah, I mean, how, how far can you go? I mean, like you can take this guy and then we know about you and then things can get around because if, it's, if it was me, I was the owner of company, I'm the owner of company, I wouldn't want to say anything like that to anyone, but mm. I can't control my stuff from saying that, you know, that this company is taking people from our company. So, it's nothing good comes out of that <laughs> nothing good it goes back to being you know just be good be good at what you do be good to your customers yeah. be good to your partners and yeah you know, there's no need for all the back there's no need for the malicious side of it there really yes. is especially in our business where we are you know we're friends on a monday we're competing on a tuesday and on wednesday we're yeah. partnering on a deal right it's co-opetition yeah yeah you know, the, the, and then we we, we and we drink together in Las Vegas. This <laughs> Make merry. <laughs> There's no need for it to be any other way. There really isn't. No, no. So, um, just a couple of quick last ones. Um, who, who's influenced your career growing up? Like, um, was there anyone you ever looked up to? Did you have a mentor? Was there somebody that you aspired to be? Someone that gave you great advices over the years? Well, I. Okay. So when I was growing up, it was my auntie. She's a, she's a solicitor, a lawyer for, uh, for our Singapore Airlines. So she's like the, the idol when I was growing up because she's like, wow, the lawyer, you know? Uh, and she's very smart and she speaks good English. And that's, she, she inspires me a lot when I was young. And as I was growing up, um, my customer, uh, when I was working, Right, when I was doing my business, one of my customers who is a locally uh, a bread company that deals with hard, hard disk and some peripherals, uh, I was doing, I was doing the, 
their service at the time. And his company got public listed. Wow. So I was, I was very inspired by that. And I told myself that one day, I'm going to public list my company. <laughs> so yeah, he, he's one of them. He's very uh, well, you know, he speaks very well and he knows his business very well. He's very wise. He speaks very wisely. Sometimes even when I have questions, I, I, I ask him and he'll give me advice. That's so, a, like a friend customer thing. And then, you know, I suppose the last question really that, that, that I want to know is, uh, you know, what, what about James Lim would people not know? There's something about you that nobody knows that uh, we can we can say. I'm a very emotional guy, <laughs> emotional and uh, soft. Very soft. I think I'm, I'm soft with my friends. Yeah, like uh, which is a bad thing also sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if they're true friends, is it really a bad thing? No, if it's true friends, no, absolutely not. Uh, people who want to take advantage, then it's a bad thing. <laughs> And it, yeah, I find it difficult to juggle that um, soft, uh, real-life you versus maybe the harder business side of you. Yeah, I, I, I've been hardened by the, you know, the problems that I had with people I trust too, trusted too much. Um, but still, that softness in me is still there sometimes. You know, it just comes back. It's like something that you can never get rid of. And then you have to constantly remind yourself that when someone asks you for a dollar, give 20 cents. <laughs> don't give a dollar <laughs> being, being a good guy is not a bad thing though right yeah it's not a bad thing really uh, but you, you have to make sure that you keep you protect yourself I guess that's why I'm keeping the 80 cents <laughs> yeah well, but look, I'm still helping <laughs> yeah no 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 I get it I get it well look I, yeah. I, re I really enjoyed this uh, mate it's been it's been good to chat and is there anything in yeah. particular you want to plug or promote that we can that we can link up and and promote for you other than performance data okay I, I guess i would like people to know that uh we don't not we do not have subcontractors um we have accredited partners we take pride in delivering our services wherever in the world and we want people to talk about it and we always want people to be the superstar for choosing us nice very nice yeah. yeah and that's i think that's going to be one of the main themes of this right is that partnering is not a taboo in fact it's that it's, it's a, not a taboo. it's a power enhancer right? it's a multiplier exactly if done correctly yes yeah. but yeah. yeah what time you got over there anyway uh it's time for beer six <laughs> It's 6, 6 p.m. Well, I, I got 10 a.m., so I'll hold off the beer just now, but no, I look forward to catching up soon. I hope we can uh, do yeah. Vegas or, you know, I was supposed to be out in Singapore in July with ASCDI. Uh, I don't know if you guys are in oh. ASCDI. No, we're not there. We're yeah, not there yet, last, I guess. Last July, they were going to have a Singapore event and obviously got cancelled due to COVID, but... Yeah, when uh when it all settles down, I'll come out to Singapore and you can show me uh, you can show me where the good where the good places oh, are. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Looking forward to welcoming you. <laughs> all right, cheers, mate. I'll catch you soon. <laughs> all right, take care, John. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye bye. bye.